Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. This is the, the Fizzle Show. <laughs> Our mission here is to help you do great work, dent the universe, and support yourself doing something that you actually care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run Fizzle.co, training courses and community support to help you run a small business. You can try your first five weeks totally for free on us as a podcast listener when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. In this episode, if you're like the rest of us, you've probably found yourself daydreaming about the life of an entrepreneur, setting your own hours, living where you want, all that stuff. And as much as you might feel giddy about leaving your day job behind, the truth is that employment provides at least one very attractive feature, and that is a steady income. I can say from experience, that is sort of helpful. You you have a lot to figure out before you can tell your boss to take a hike. And most importantly, you need to know exactly how you're going to put food on the table. And you, okay, so I get it. You already know that part, right? But where's the money going to come from? How are you going to make it happen? And what is the amount of money that you actually need to make. These are the kinds of tough questions we hear all the time in the Fizzle forums. And today on the show, we get into one Fizzler's story and break down an extremely important concept, the minimum viable income. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 150. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. I just uh, sometimes like to talk us right out of the small talk and get straight into action. You know, because this is a fizzle show. This is where we go straight into action right away. Straight into it. Just right off the bat, we're just straight into action. No stretching. A lot of times people are not going fast enough into the action, and this is changing all of that. (laughs) We're very disruptive that way. It's true. Um... Listen, uh, just wanted to say hi to all of our new listeners, all the people who are listening to us that haven't listened to like the, all the backlog. Uh, I, I, just, I just realized, you know, there's probably people who don't know about how's your father, you know, tall cotton, lots of stuff like that that came from the old days. And, and, and we reinvent stuff all the time, you know, and so you know about all the new stuff. And we just want to say thank you. Welcome. All the listeners, the people listening to the show, we've got another great show for you today. Um, I'm excited. Barrett just got back from his bachelor party weekend in Breckenridge. I'm back! And where he played beer pong and skied his legs off. And uh, did, uh, nothing, uh, did nothing he regrets. <laughs> That's right. I'm most proud to say I did absolutely nothing that I regret or would take back. Yeah, on our team meeting today, he was like... Talking about the details of the trip. Yeah, these guys came. We did skiing. Lots of skiing. There's lots of snow things. And I didn't do anything I regret. <laughs> and Corbin and I were like, what? <laughs> isn't you that, ruined it. Isn't that, isn't that a botched bachelor party? But uh, he was very, he was very, very uh, uh, sustainable in his bachelor party. Uh, so sustainable. We ate so much organic, gluten-free food, you guys. Oh, man. Oh, goodness. Yvonne Chouinard's over there going like, go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's going to come poach me to go take over Patagonia provisions or something. Yeah, it's really real, 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 really going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, at the same time, Seth Godin calls you and tells you, <laughs> tells you he wants to be your daddy. <laughs> I just want to hang out with you, Chase. Frankly, you're a good, cool guy. I like it. Corbett's in Mexico where the, the cocktails keep getting stiffer and the smiles just keep getting bigger. I just made that up right that now. Good. Oh, did you? I yeah. couldn't tell. Yeah, no, I was just off, I was just flying by the seat of my pants. Orbit, save us. 
No, I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> and Steph's in Chicago, where the sausage uh, is tangy, and the ladies are... Huh? At what rhymes with... <laughs> yep, yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're there. <laughs> is it cold? Is it super cold there right now? Steph's like, yeah. we talked about this. I know. I <laughs> we did, you. A, we I'm, did uh, have a team meeting. I'm buried under snow. Just, no, uh, really? Oh, yeah. It's just me and like two blankets and a huge scarf right now. It's Actually, that's honestly 100% the truth <laughs> as, no. I, as I record this. That's amazing. <laughs> And it's Rudy's painful. in the background somewhere, just breathing loudly. Yep, just trying to stay warm. Just, <laughs> no. just two girls trying to make it out here in Chicago. <laughs> I always forget. I always forget. Rudy the dog is a girl. I know. That's what <laughs> totally. everybody says. Totally, it's hard. You're out like, here. I love Notre oh, Dame so much that I don't care if it's the wrong gender. I'm naming my yep. dog Rudy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's true. It's that hardcore fanology. Yeah. Um, uh, so we got we got a, a big a big episode to talk about today, a big concept to talk about. Minimum viable income. This is something that that we've talked about uh, in our roadmap. I want to set this up. Let me talk for a second about the roadmap before I'm going to pitch it to Steph and have her set us set the topic up for us today. The roadmap that we made in Fizzle is there's nine stages that we've we've kind of created to help guide you through every single problem, decision, and uh, opportunity that you'll have sort of in your business. And it's a way that we sort of whatever designed to help you fill in and plug holes in your boat before you get too far out to sea and you realize, oh no, I'm dying and my dreams of being an entrepreneur are also... Um, so it was a smart way that we, that we sort of designed to, to, to help you solve all those problems in, um, in order sort of. Um, and one of the things that became, uh, a surprise to me about how big of a deal it was in the roadmap was what became known as the minimum viable income or MVP. It's common to talk about a minimum viable product in the startup world. Like, Hey, how do I prove my idea is actually going to work? Well, there's there's a lot of ways you can try to validate it, but really the only real, you know, proving of it whether it works is if you get a product out there that people actually buy, and the best way to do that is make it a small product to test interest and see if they actually produce their credit card and and buy your thing. Minimum viable product. Then Corbett created this concept of the minimum viable audience, the small sort of smallest subset of your uh, beginning early days of your audience to sort of like prove that, yeah, there's people who are interested in this sort of thing. It justifies me spending more time and working on it. And then finally, the minimum viable income, which is uh it, which we're, we're going to talk about today we'll get into all the details and bells and whistles on it now this is something personally that's really important to me because it was not something i was used to thinking about and hopefully we, we get into more of the details about all of that later so that's my way of setting up what we're going to talk about today steph i want to pitch it to you and uh, where you can get us into the details of the question from the forum and the article that you kind of wrote not necessarily in response but it just fits so perfectly yep so the question today is from Keisha in the forums, and it's a question that Keisha asked, but it's also a question that I feel like is just so representative of the same type of question that we get so often. So I'll read it and then we'll kind of talk about, I think what's most important is like the commonality that a lot of people I think will, will resonate with. So Keisha says, I handed in my six month notice today, essentially telling my agency that I would not be taking a new assignment when my current one runs out. So I have six months to get my business going. I am a single parent with two kids. So basically whatever I do has to work. 
I want to help single parents design a lifestyle in order to homeschool and explore the world with kids and have adventures worth telling. I don't have the website designed yet, but I have been thinking about what the business, i.e. the product or service, would be. I was thinking information on homeschooling, traveling with kids, perhaps designing a journal slash travelogue for kids to do on field trips or family vacations, and eventually even a journal app. I was also thinking of travel videos. Or I could help motivate or show single parents how to get an income while homeschooling once I figure out that part for myself. I'm feeling bogged down in the monetization stage. Too many options, I guess. Plus, I don't know if any of them will work. Honestly, I just want to help make the world a better place for single parents and our kids. Should I just keep going with the blog and figure out the business side of it as it comes, even though I am short on time? So... Just to kind of sum that up, obviously, Keisha has a time crunch here. She has six months to make this work. She also is very clearly feeling the pressure of making this work because she has two children depending on her income alone. And you can just kind of get this sense that she's got a lot swirling in her brain in terms of like, okay, I I have kind of some ideas. She lists out a whole bunch of different products that she could potentially pursue. And then she admits, I'm feeling bogged down with the idea of making money. Like, how am I even going to make that work? So... Like I said, I think this is just such a common and uh, real way that so many of us feel when we want to pursue this this kind of alternative lifestyle. But it can be very, very tricky to figure out Mm. how, number one, how much money do I actually need to make this work? And number two, how am I even going to to make that income at all? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah, I like how you how you kind of broke that up between the bog down. What I like about about. Uh, where Keisha is is this this um, she just seems to be asking the right questions, Barrett. Right? You were you were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? Well, I mean immediately when you hear that, or, or when I hear that, my emotional reaction is, oh no, we've already taken steps that we might not have recommended you take. Yeah, and you know, because on one like hand, what it's like, like a double edged sword, quitting right? quitting because or something. Quitting gives you a timeline and yeah. it makes you get serious about starting a business. It, it puts this concrete amount of time that you have to make it work, as she said. And that's an advantage for sure, because it might get some people off their tush when they've just been sitting around talking about it for a long time. I mean, get off your tush. Yeah, you're just, just talking about it. Tush, you know what I mean? I mean, my tush um, is, uh, I haven't, my tush is flat because I, I don't, I, I don't, I have actually. It's all we need to know about your tush. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed the hand movements. I was getting a signal there from you. This is not the tush you are looking for. <laughs> Anyways, um, and, but the other side of that that double-edged sword is that now you have a timeline. And when you're in a situation where you don't know what you're going to sell, you don't really know what your topic is, you're not exactly sure where you're going to end up, that can add a lot of pressure to the situation when you know you have to be making money by a certain point in time. And there's a lot on the line here. There are children involved. There's a family. Like, it's not just... Keisha here. So, yeah. you know, when you lead in with that, it's like, oh man, this is a real big deal here. And we've kind of made some irreversible, maybe not irreversible, but seemingly irreversible decisions right up front that say, okay, we've got limitations that we wouldn't normally put on a situation like this. Mm-hmm. But what I liked about it was she immediately said, and also I'm already thinking about how I'm going to eventually make money. Yeah. So rather than just saying, oh, I'm just going to start a blog, it's all going to work out. She's asking the question now, okay, how am I going to make money? Mm -hmm. And I like that because a lot of people don't ask that question. And a lot of teachers don't encourage people to ask that question up front because it's hard. And you end up where Keisha is right here, which is there's so many options. I'm not sure where I'm going to end up. And none of them are guaranteed to work, which is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I think um, it, it's like it is this double edged sword. I, I think I think she Keisha is so brave, so yeah. bold to just go. You know, screw it, let's do it. Put in my notice at the, at the work. I've got six months to do this thing. What are the things that I should be focusing on to get to my the n- amount of money that I need to make? So what I want to talk about for today is about that. Like this is like how, okay. So what's the amount of money that you need to make? And to me, that's actually a, it's 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 a challenging question to think through. Not that hard though. Then though, it can be really liberating to figure that out. To kind of do the do the numbers to get to what we you know what some people call ramen profitable spaghetti profitable what were the other terms I think like there's a lot of pasta terms there are <laughs> spaghetti number ramen profitable I don't know why they're all pasta but they are and I'm really liking the corazon I'm really bad at that I was looking for something I was looking for literally any other pasta name and I made up Corlazzoni Corlazzoni you could have gone with like mac and cheese I was yeah this is my mac and cheese number it's a very exciting number for me it's one of my favorites of all time that's a new voice <laughs> um uh so Steph what do you what do you, what I want to do I wanna, can we talk about the article Sure. Yeah. Well, hey, so uh, let's do one thing real quick. So yeah. just for people that are listening and they're thinking like, hey, uh, two and a half months ago, you did this episode called what to do when you need to get to minimum viable income fast. This sounds a lot like that. Mm. Why should they keep listening stuff? So I think it's a great question. And it's something that I think we all thought about before even deciding that this is what we are going to talk about. But I think this episode potentially this conversation should be about the steps that take place before even getting to that point where, where you're like, okay, now I have to figure out how to make that number happen. We haven't spent mm. a ton of time talking about, yeah, but what is that number? You know, and, mm. and, and just back to Keisha's question, you kind of feel this swirling around of my monthly expenses. A lot of people say things like, I don't know how I'm going to afford my expenses. But the truth is my monthly expenses isn't a number and it's not a goal. So we have to talk about how to even customize what that number looks like for you, because that's another thing that people ask us all the time. What is my minimum viable income? Yeah. And we, we often tell people, well, it completely depends. You know, Are mm. you a recent college graduate who's living in a relatively low cost of living city? Or are you someone who's supporting a family like Keisha is living in a city that has a higher cost of living? It completely depends on your situation. And that's why customizing your minimum viable income is just so important. That's the first thing. And I think the second thing is, and we'll get into this as we talk a little bit about the article. I think this number is, I have found, at least this is true for myself and a lot of people I've talked to, the number tends to be a lot lower than people even think it is, Mm. which can be such a relief once you get into the nuts and bolts of what you are currently spending and what you really need to have in order to make this work. A lot of people find some relief in just being able to put a number on that. And oftentimes that number is lower than they anticipated in the first place. Yep. Okay, cool. So I like it. So basically as a listener, I can expect to actually break down what minimum viable income is going to mean to me and have a number in my head by the end of this episode. Exactly. Cool. That's the goal. I like it. Wait, say that again. Say exactly what you're going to get out of this. So I can expect to understand what goes into my minimum viable income number and have my number, my personalized minimum viable income number, which is very personal to each person, uh, set on paper and ready to go. And I agree with Steph. I think that once you see it in front of you, you know, yeah, it might be a little scary to look at it, but at least you know exactly what it is. Yeah. And then it's just a go or no go, basically, on whether you get there in time. Well, and yep. bef- before we jump into the numbers and how to figure out what your minimum viable income needs to be, we should talk about the broader philosophy of why it matters for you to get to minimum viable income. 
Because I think a lot of people think that, hey, I'm going to build a business and then I'll work on this thing and I have this grand vision and then I'll launch it and then eventually, you know, the business will be making millions of dollars, right? And you come up with this plan for building a business and maybe you think it'll take six months like Keisha does or maybe you think it'll take uh, two years. Whatever happens, it usually ends up requiring a lot more time and effort to get a lot less work done than you thought you could in the beginning. And so... This, to me, this idea of ramen profitable or minimum viable income is this fundamental change in seeing, in thinking about how you're going to build a business instead of, and it, and it dovetails really nicely with minimum viable product, because instead of coming up with this grand idea of what you want to achieve five years from now, the whole point of this is to get to a place where your business is stable enough for it to exist on an ongoing basis for as long as it takes for you to figure out the important things that need to be figured out um, for you to, to achieve that grand vision. So minimum viable income is this, this point of stasis, really, where once you have enough coming in to pay your bills, it takes all of this pressure off of you and all this weight off of your shoulders so that you're no longer freaking about a out about how long your runway is because now your runway has just become infinite and mm-hmm. that really matters um, because as as Barrett knows and and anybody else knows I've gone through this as well when you're working against the clock something happens to you mentally and it gets worse and worse as time goes on you start to get really anxious about it and you should because you're watching your bank account dwindle or you're watching your your credit card debt rack up or whatever it is and so the first goal for the kinds of businesses I think that we are encouraging within Fizzle should be for you to be able to put food on the table and take care of your basic expenses so that you take all of that pressure off. I think that's such a really good uh, way of, of putting it, Corbett. Just the idea of like, this is the time, this is the moment where your runway becomes infinite. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the pressure's off, you've got enough to pay the bills, and it's a pain to get to there, but... The work that hopefully we're going to get into in just a minute is is the work of defining how low that number could actually be. Because I think you're right, Steph, that it's surprising to a lot of people how low it could be. And this is it, it's it's exciting. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's kind of it's really exciting to go like, all right, I am going to do X, Y, and Z. My costs are going to be this much lower than normal, but. I have an infinite runway mm-hmm. if I can get enough clients or enough sales or enough things to work on this sort of thing. And because right. Corbett, you're right. What you need is a lot of problem solving still left to do, a lot of decisions to make, a lot of figuring out what your business actually is. This is this gives you your sort of like grant to be able to figure that stuff out. Yep. You know what I mean? It's, exactly. And and to me, that this is so imperative. If you don't have the luxury of having a bunch of savings or some other way to to pay your bills for a while, then this becomes imperative to me to the point where people who are starting out should consider alternatives to this to whatever future vision they have of their business. They should become be considering alternatives that would help them get cash in the door now even if they're not exactly aligned with whatever the future business is. This is how a lot of um, companies get started. Like, for example, the people who created Basecamp, um, which is a project management software, they started out as a design firm and they get clients in the door. And then that allows you the freedom to build these other these other products. And so similarly, if you're a one-person business, you should be thinking, as Keisha mentioned here, instead of thinking, should I just keep going with the blog and figure out the business side as it comes? No, you should not be doing that, especially not if you have six months. You should be thinking, yeah. 
you know, dive into this spreadsheet that we're going to walk through today or this this list of things to figure out what your expenses are. And then once you come up with that number, if it's 2000 or 5000 or whatever dollars per month, then you say, no, by the end of six months, I need to have figured out some way to get this much money coming in the door every month. And if my the business plan that I've laid out now couldn't possibly get me there, or if there's a significant risk that it's going to take a lot longer than six months, then you need to change that business plan because that income mm. should be your number one goal. Because like we learned in, gosh, what episode was it where we were talking, Barrett, about your story? Um, where we, we learned that like you can put yourself under so much stress that it actually, it doesn't make you more creative. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't make you a problem solver. It makes you like, a, a, you know, a, a sort of a, a prime suspect for cancer, a prime suspect for uh, agita at the very least, and probably ulcers, you know, uh, as at a minimum as well. Yeah. What, and what I love about this minimum viable income concept is that it's, you're not done. You're still hungry. You're still, you're not like, you haven't made it. Yeah. You know, your family's not living this amazing extraordinary life living on the beach or whatever. So there's still incentive to keep going. There's still incentive to be hungry enough to set more goals. But like Corbett said, the huge advantage is you no longer have to worry about somebody going hungry or you living in a box or whatever that worst fear is in the back of your mind, because you've gotten to this basic level where things are going to be okay. And now you have all of this room, this sandbox to play in, to be creative and grow the business from there. By the way, that was episode uh, 145, fizzleshow.co slash 145. I'm going to put that and every other link we've talked about, the six-month runway episode, the what to do when you need to get to... to uh, sorry, the six-month runway is the, is the link to uh, Keisha's post. Then, uh, you know, I need to get to minimum viable income fast. What should I do? Episode 139. And then, and then the one where we talk about Barrett's story as well. So uh, all of those will be in the show notes. This is episode 150, fizzleshow.co slash 150. And I think it's time. Can we turn the corner and start yeah. talking about the... Uh, We've really uh, left him a cliffhanger. How here. to do like, this? Come on. <laughs> uh, and right after this break, we're going we're gonna to find a really big problem we didn't know existed. But first, let me tell you about our sponsor. Just give me the goods. Yeah. Okay, Steph, walk us through this article that, that you that you wrote. Okay, so just to, you know, as a backdrop, as we kind of already gestured towards, but just to make it really explicit, the question that we're trying to answer here is how much money do you need to make in order to support yourself and possibly a family, depending on your situation, on a monthly basis? So that's what we're trying to get to is you individually, how much money do you need to make in order for this to be kind of survival mode, like we talked about, you know, you um, aren't necessarily living in the lap of luxury. However, you aren't having an anxiety attack about how you're going to keep your lights on. So it's mm. kind of that middle ground. That's really what we're trying to get to, just so everybody's on the same page in terms of the real question to be answered here. Mm. So um, the first step, I think, th the first thing that's really helpful is to determine the difference between what we like to think of as fixed expenses and variable expenses. So we can kind of break that down. Fixed expenses, if you just sit down and take literally every expense that you have and you write it all out in you know a Google spreadsheet or something or even just a piece of paper to start with, make sure that you have every single expense that you incur month over month. That's really the first step is making sure that you have everything accounted for because I think that oftentimes we just feel like this general sense that life is so expensive. And then when we start to itemize, well, what, are, what is it that I actually pay for month over month? We can kind of start to categorize some things. So when you have all of your expenses, you're going to start by looking at the difference between fixed expenses and variable. So fixed is the expense that just does not change month after month. This is a very predictable expense. It's 
exactly what it sounds like. It's rigid and it's you 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 can expect it to be the same every single month. So it's things like rent, mortgage, um, perhaps a car payment, or if you have a student loan payment, um, maybe a minimum on your credit card. These are just things that you know what to expect from them. There's really nothing you can do to change them month over month. Uh, you could certainly throw more money at it, but you have a baseline in terms of what you need to pay for those things every single month. Mm. So that's your fixed expense. For variable, it's exactly what it sounds like. It varies, right? So it fluctuates month over month depending on your habits. So these are things that you have more direct influence over typically, like groceries, um, how much gas you're using in your car, entertainment, going out to eat, going shopping, going on trips, you know, things that, you know, if you wanted to batten down the hatches, you could have more influence over depending on how you live your life day to day. So those are your variable expenses. So what you want to do, I think, to, to really start this process is look at every single expense you have and ask yourself, okay, is this a fixed expense or is this a variable expense? Mm. And hopefully group them visually, whether you want to, you know, if you're in a Google spreadsheet, you can kind of move everything to be in the fixed category. And then every variable expense can be grouped together as well. Perhaps you'd like to color code it, whatever works for you. Just separating the difference between a fixed expense and a variable expense is the way to start this process. And the reason being because you can't really move your fixed expenses, but you can fiddle with your variable expenses. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more too. Okay. You, you can, you, you, you can fiddle with your fixed expenses. It's just going to take more creativity. And oftentimes, let's just put it this way. It's not the easiest lever to pull on. It can be the scariest. Yeah. It can involve them. It can involve the most changes. But um, yeah, for so, example, would be like a, um, if you have a mortgage, uh, it's a fixed expense because you know you're paying whatever, $1,600 every month, but yep. you could potentially refinance the house at a lower rate and so take on that. Like, and then you save whatever, $600 every month, that is not, a not an insignificant impact on your, those fixed costs. Not yep. advocating that you refinance your house, just saying these are the kinds of ways you could get quote-unquote creative with fixed right. expenses. Exactly, exactly. So the, the beauty of the variable expense, and that's kind of the second step of this, is what we call in the article trimming the fat. The interesting thing is for a lot of people, this is this is the extent, this might take care of it, amazingly. For a lot yeah. of people just looking at this part, you might be like, oh my gosh, I'm really, you know, I, I've been at a very comfortable salary before. I haven't really been paying attention to the money that's going out the door. I can look at my variable expenses and sometimes just having a handle on them, you can create a, a pretty surprising amount of wiggle room. So that's the second step is to look at the things that you do have control over and ask yourself, okay, are there some things here that I have control over that I can take a, a hard look at right away? So perhaps, you know, I'm not really paying attention to my grocery bill. I'm just kind of like shopping willy nilly, if you will. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily planning my meals. I could take a look at, you know, sitting down every week and figuring out what do I really need from the grocery store so I don't have to throw things away. Yeah. Um, really easy levers to pull would be like if you're if you're shopping a lot for clothing or going out to eat a lot. I think going out to eat is like the black hole where a lot of us kind of like lose ourselves. Yeah. So looking at some of this like frivolous spending is really the first thing with variable expenses, but you can really just start to get more and more creative. You start with the low hanging fruit of what am I doing in my life that I could kind of cut out, keeping in mind that this is temporary. And I think it's important to stress too that we don't want, we're not advocating that people should be miserable and like no one should have cable TV and everybody should eat ramen noodles every single day. That's I think too extreme, but you can look at what you're doing and say to yourself, okay, you know, am I able to tighten the belt some? And if so, what would that look like? Yeah. And what's so, it? Okay. Go for it. Barry. Well, I was just going to say, practically speaking, if we're talking about budgeting and looking back, 
a lot of people don't do any budgeting. They don't, right. they have no grasp on this stuff. So just from a practical standpoint, a great tool for this is mint.com or something like it, where you can go in, upload all your credit cards, all your debit cards and have historical data from those. I don't know how much you can upload, but I, I assume it can probably go in and get at least three months of data. We use it and we it's kind of like whatever your bank lets it have. Yep. It'll go get what it what it can get. And so what that does is you can go back and categorize your spending from the past few months to look at averages. And I'd say you want at least three months, ideally maybe six months of data to say, okay, on average, here's what I'm spending in each category to really be able to see like what, I guess averages help because one month could be off. And that mm-hmm. might not be a good representation of what you do over time. Yeah. So yep. you want a few months of data here and it's probably easier to use a tool like Mint that allows you to put these expenses into categories electronically than trying to go through and like tally things up and use a calculator and all that. It's nice. They got colorful graphs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're someone like me, it's kind of nice to see the colorful graphs. By the way, another thing I'm going to put in the show notes here is the actual, the Wikipedia page on personal budget, surprisingly good. Mm. Where it'll be, we'll talk more about some of these, you know, spreadsheets or tools that we can use to, and categories to put into your budget, just as you're taking inventory of these personal expenses. Um, but I'll put that in the show notes. It's, it's quite, uh, it's quite helpful. Yeah. And I think Barrett just made a really good point too, which is, and I kind of skipped over this part, but before you start the practice of like budgeting for yourself, take an honest look at what you've been doing before you, you even take that next step. So I think mint.com is a great example. Even just going back through your, your previous bank statements, it can be tedious, but it's very eye opening. before you start to set a budget, just assess and look at it and say, okay, what have I actually been spending as a personal note, and I wrote I wrote this in the article as well. Um, my husband and I, John, we we did this exercise not too long ago, and we were so surprised at how much money we were spending on. I mean, like a ridiculous amount of money, probably like a, th- a few thousand dollars a month. Honestly, as ridiculous as it sounds, just on things that we didn't need, going out to eat a ton, you know, Uber rides at the end of a night, just swiping yeah. our debit card in situations when we didn't need to. And what's amazing is. Even though I took a, a different step financially than maybe where I was before when I made the, the leap to join Fizzle initially, mm. we had a fantastic year in terms of being able to pay off debt and put ourselves in a position to start saving. Yeah. And it it's just amazing when you take a look at, wow, how much stuff we were doing that we didn't even realize. And we still have a great time with friends. We do a lot of stuff with people that we care about, but it's about being more intentional and actually having an idea instead of money just kind of flying out the window, which I think all of us fall into. Yeah, which I am actually I am actually a professional at. I, I, <laughs> I actually do the opposite of what you're talking about. I actually track all the places where I spend frivolously and I celebrate myself. <laughs> for these things. I give myself rewards. That's one of the categories in my, I spent too frivolously on myself. How much did I spend on the rewards for spending frivolously? It's a, it's a fascinating, it's a, my life is an art installation. It sounds like a, a good path to uh, exponential growth of debt. It, uh, no, I'm not using money that I don't have. Oh, that's Yeah, good. no, it's just, uh-huh. it's just uh, making my wife furious. <laughs> but but well, here's my, here's one thing that, that, that always gets me about this though, Steph. Okay. So tell me, and I want to hear from you, all you guys on, on this one. Okay. So Remit Sethi has this great, great concept that he's always talked about where it's like, listen, I can get you to stop buying coffee every day, or I can just tell you how to make $5 every day instead. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and maybe even make 10, you know, so the idea is like, okay, what if we, instead of talk about like Cut instead of talking about cutting costs, we talk about earning more revenue, and I like that. I like that um, because it's a, because this is all part of the question about like I want to I want more out of life right now too. Not that that has to be bought, 
Um, oftentimes it just means I, I want to not work as much as I do. I want to go on a long walk and waste time, you know, but, but, uh, what do you guys think about this, th- this uh, idea? Because when we're talking about cutting costs and I, what I see is the importance of it's early days. This is the year that I'm launching my company. I want to get my runway as tight as I possibly can, or as, as, as long as I possibly can, I guess, you know what I mean? Which means my expenses are as r- ratcheted down and tight as they possibly could be. Um, so I see in in all of this, it's this purpose of getting my company to minimum viable income so that it can, or my project, right, right so that it can support me at a, at a minimum viable income level, which means I have to invest a lot of my time. I have to spend less money so that I can use every ounce that I can on the things that I need to um, for uh, you know, saving towards the runway that I, that I need to do. I don't know. I guess I, it, 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 there was something so liberating in that idea of like, we're just, we're, yeah, you can go, you can prune all you want. You can prune, cut back and all this stuff, but it, it's really not as effective as you might think. Have you had any experience with that stuff? I think, you know, it's interesting. I feel like I don't even see them as mutually exclusive, right? So mm. if I get myself to a place where my expenses are ratcheted down to a point where I feel comfortable. And again, I think it's important to point out, not like I'm making myself miserable and putting strain on my relationship with my husband and yeah. not seeing any of my friends. I think there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. Then if I can turn my attention, which we can also talk about this too, you know, some of the math that goes into figuring out how you're going to get to that number. If you get above and beyond that number, then that's freaking awesome. And then yeah. you don't have to worry so much about your minimum viable income. You're, you're, you surpass that. Um, I think that this is about getting yourself to a point where you have the mental bandwidth to even become an entrepreneur because that paralysis of like, I can't afford to do this. That's what holds so many people back from even starting in the first place. So I think that having an idea of like, no, actually this could be manageable. I could do this. And by the way, I might earn well and above that, then that's great. But I, I think that having an idea that this is realistic, this is something that I can do just makes it approachable and makes it a reality for people who may not have gotten started without doing this exercise. Mm hmm. I like it. Okay, cool. Let's keep going here. Because one of the things that's exciting to me is when I see the categories of spending and, you know, I'm able to see like, so for example, where do I put those Uber uh, expenses, right? It's like if I put those in travel, then I might feel differently about then, uh, you know, travel in town or something like that. I feel like categories can be kind of important. Now, Steph, have you, like, do you have like a system around that when you went through your your expenses with John? Yeah, I think that we are probably less rigid about it than a lot of people would be. Yeah. I know I know some people have like spreadsheets and stuff. We don't really we we had it we we created it to understand where we were at, but for us I think that it was really just embracing this idea of things we have control over the variable expenses versus the fixed, which is yeah. like, okay, we, you know, and, and the next step of this too, we can talk a little bit about getting creative. If you're, if you have ratcheted down your variable expenses and you're, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, this is still incredibly intimidating. You can look at those fixed expenses. But I think for us, it was just looking at variable and saying like, listen, we don't need to be spending $1,500 a month on going out to eat and Uber rides and drinks with friends. We yeah. know, we, we know we can do better than that. So for us, it just became, um, being more conscious of what we were actually spending. This is something that I've actually picked up from, um, I think it's from Dave Ramsey in, mm. um, I think the total money makeover book actually. And this, this is something that people might want to consider if you don't like to have like a crazy detailed system because we're sort of not those types of people is giving yourself. And I've had conversations with Barrett about this too, giving yourself a monthly allowance of actual cash is something that a lot of people have seen great results with. I can certainly 
testified that it, it works really well to sit down if you have a partner and say, here's kind of like our fun money for us. We like to do it in cash because then when it's gone, it's gone. And you have a set amount every month where you can say, this is the money where I'm going to treat myself, whether it's spending time with friends, getting a manicure, whatever that might look like. Mm. And this is my allowance that I'm using for myself, but I'm not just like, you know, just constantly swiping that debit card because that's really what I think starts to add up. So if you're, if that resonates with you, I absolutely recommend yeah. it. It's just giving yourself like a cash allowance, pulling it out at the beginning of every month. Maybe it's a few hundred dollars that you're committing to spend on yourself. And then you have that money and you can use it however you wish throughout the month without putting strain on your account. If you, you know, will. the other thing you can do here too, if you don't want to feel like this is a, a permanent state of being, which it, it shouldn't be, you, I don't think you can survive at the Minimum. Well, you can survive at minimum viable income level forever. If but it you takes to. a toll. It does. It takes a toll on you over time. You know, when you don't have those pleasurable aspects of the budget, like going out to eat or going yeah. to see friends or travel or whatever, it can get cumbersome for mm -hmm. sure. So if you're feeling that, if you're feeling the weight of that as you're doing this, you can just open a second tab and do the same thing you're doing, but make it your like ideal but reasonable life. Yeah. The one that you can imagine yourself living three to five years down the road where it's like you have a, a decent sized house, you have whatever the things are and be honest with yourself. One thing that I loved about Chris Gillibo's Art of Nonconformity book was that he had this passage where he talks about people lying to themselves about what they actually want. And he really encouraged uh, readers of that book to sit down and mm -hmm. say, these are the things I want. And I'm going to own the fact that if I want to drive a Ferrari, I want to drive a Ferrari. Yeah. And until I put that down on paper, I'm not going to actually know. I'm not going to actually have been honest with myself about what it is I want in the future. Yeah. And so I would do the what you want in the future version of this too, maybe at the same time, knowing that there's a starting point, which is the minimum viable income, which is just like a minimum viable product. Are you going to keep it that way forever? No. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get there because that's step one. And then if you have a vision for the future, that's great because it gives you something to look forward to. And there's kind of a point A and a point B. Yeah. You got the minimum one and then the ideal one. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like, yeah, I've had a lot of friends that have had success with the cash thing too, Steph. And, um, and I think Barrett, you bring up a really good point because two things. Okay. Number one, maybe built into minimum viable income is that it is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's something that, that, that I want to stress here. It's like, no, this is as far down as we can go. It's going to take a toll. Like psychologically, if you're there for too long, it's going to hurt. Like you're like, you're not made to be at that sort of level in some ways, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, but that is allowing you, that gives you months extra of runway to sort of be growing that revenue from the thing. Um, that's probably an important thing about M MVI. But the other thing is, is what you just reiterate what you said, like it's, ex it's, it's important to know what you want and to say it, to actually say it, to say like, I gonna, I'm going to pay $3 and 50 cents every single day for a shot of espresso at 1 p.m. because it's mm -hmm. the one time I get out of the house to work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, that kind of thing of going like, that's my little moment, that was really important to me, for, like has been important to me for the last almost 10 years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that was it. That was yeah, like, absolutely. when I worked in an office, when I worked at home, it was just like, that's my one That's my one thing. That's the one thing I get to do in a day. And so that was important. Let me um, let me just um, yeah. point out why why this matters. Like cutting your expenses, just from a like a let's let's do a quick scenario here. So if you're able to reduce your expenses, that is going to increase the runway that you have, and it's going to make it more likely that you'll achieve that whatever that minimum viable income is. So for example, um, let's say you can reduce your expenses by thirty three percent. So 
let's say you had six months and you needed to get to $6,000 a month. If you can reduce that by 33%, you get it down to $4,000 a month, which increases your runway by 50%. So now instead of having a six-month runway, you now have a nine-month-long runway. And instead of having to get to $6,000 a month in minimum viable income, you only have to get to $4,000. And you have three more months to do it. So, you so know, hold on. Say those, say those numbers so again. In, my, my, so in, my original need. Your original need, let's say you had to get to $6,000 a month and you had six months to do it. Okay. If you reduce your expenses by 33%, your new goal is now to get to $4,000 a month in nine months. So yeah. it has this, this double-ended effect, this synergistic effect. By reducing your expenses, you extend your runway, and at the exact same time, you also make it much more likely that you're going to get to that income goal. Mm. Yeah, that's big. I like that. So it's, it's all, it also has like a time as well as as a, like the time element is what you've just added into that for me. You know what I mean? It's right. now you need 4K in nine months versus 6K in six months. Exactly. You know? That and that that when you're talking about because of what you said earlier, Corbett, like th- when you're when you're when your business gets to this minimum viable income, you have no idea how many how many even when you're making money, how many problems there are still to solve, how many things there are to figure out, product market fit, finding a bigger audience, um, getting the be- getting a better version of this product in front of people. You got a minimum viable product in, in front of people, and you're just about an MBI, but you know you, it's going to take a, a kind of an investment to get a better product in front of them that can get you above that level of revenue. You know, and it's like all of these things have to be figured out. And if there's not revenue coming in the door, it could be really, really challenging. And I just got to say out there for any creative people who are not comfortable with money who are still listening to this, um, good on you because I don't think I would. The only reason why I'm so excited about this now is because I've been dragged by the collar of my shirt over these coals for the last several you know years. When I was a freelancer by myself, um, when I was working in a company, and then here at Fizzle getting started and stuff like that, I've learned so much from working in close proximity with, with my homeboy Corbett. You're my boy, Blue. Uh, and, and he just teaches me everything. He teaches me everything. And, 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 and it's valuable because this is, think about what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is what we all say when we, what we all mean when we say earning a living, right? When we, when we talk about putting food on the table, all of these euphemisms that we use or these idioms that we use to talk about what like the work needs to do for us. Well, this is the number it takes to do that. It's a back of the napkin math that gets you to, this is how much money I need. I can make that work. How do I get to that amount of money? That's liberation right there. That is, that is a clear purpose and it's exciting for, you know, those of you who are not used to thinking. And by the way, Steph, that one quote in the article, you know, it, it, and I quote, you know, quote, uh, all my expenses, end quote, is not a number. Right. <laughs> so at this point in the conversation, we basically have three versions of that. Mm. We have real averages, from what you've done over the past three to six months. Okay. So that's like the current state of yeah. being. Yeah. Averages meaning like monthly, this is what you spent. Correct. On In average. Both the fixed and variable expense mm-hmm. categories. Yeah. We should have a cut back version basically at this point okay. that says, this is what I could do and be a little uncomfortable, but make it. Mm-hmm. So that's that MVI number. Yeah. And then we've got that future ideal version basically, yeah. which says, this is what I would like my spending to look like at some point in the future. Mm hmm. So we've got these three three versions of this now. So where do we go from here, Steph? Are, and are, yeah. we, so, are we going to talk about ways that you can cut expenses or? Good question. You stumped us all, Corbett. Are we? 
<laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that. Like, what are some of the things we can do? So if we have the averages, and now we're looking at, okay, now how do I go Wait, from- before you go there, hold on. Because remember, you yep. got in your brain where you're going? Yep. Because what you're talking about with the averages, I think yep. it's just important to call out. I did January, mm-hmm. I did February, I did March, and now I can look at, here's the average for January. Here's the average for February. Here's, right. here's the average for March. Is this, Steph, is this something that you and John have done monthly? Um, typically, I remember that being like the goal with my wife and I. I was like, let's do it monthly. What? You mean to have, like, have the conversation? Like sit down and be like, yeah, how are we doing on Ubers now? Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. I think that's key. I think, you know, we, and I really think this just varies from person to person. I think that I, you know, it's funny that quote that you read, um, all the expenses in my life is not a number. Like, that's pretty much me yeah. talking to myself. I am yeah. not naturally inclined to do this. Yeah. And for us, we had tried the approach of like, we've tried mint, we've tried like the nickel and diming. We literally were at a point where we were trying to like enter into a Google spreadsheet every time we spent $3.57 on a coffee. It just didn't work for us. It's just too micro. For us, what worked was sitting down and saying at every month, like I guess retroactively being like, okay, did we do better this month because we had the allowance? That Mm -hmm. is, that's for people who struggle with like the super micro level. I think it is more helpful to look at it month over month and watch yourself make gains and you learn as you go. Mm. It might not be something that you get to the very first time you try it, but you can start to realize like, oh shoot, you know what? We did better over here in the Uber category, but going out to eat is still a problem. How can we work on that? Yeah, and and as is, you go every single month, I think you start to learn. Totally. And this is just like the exact real life scenario of that uh, marshmallow, experiment, mm. marshmallow experiment you always hear with the kids and like, you can have one marshmallow now or two later, however it worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is the real life application of mm-hmm. that. It's yeah. can you delay gratification today yep. so that you can get where you're trying to go later. Which or, is why I've gotten so into tantric sex, actually. Or or buying <laughs> things to reward yourself for buying things one yeah. or the other. Yeah, uh, I, re- I do that. I, it's important. Don't laugh stuff. When I, when I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at no, Barrett. Honestly, I bought an instructional DVD from Sting, oh, no. and he taught me all about it. <laughs> Barrett just like didn't even skip a beat. He just no. like completely kept going in his I was, so, I was so trying to it not was, It is really a different thing to make it last. Sometimes day. <laughs> but so when Corbett, I talk about averages, I'm going to go back to something that Corbett said, which is, okay. are we going to talk about how to cut expenses? Hold on so, real quick though. Cause I want to hit on the average thing that Chase has. So I think it's really important to do it monthly yeah. to look back and say, okay, how do we do against what we tra- what the number we set, yeah. which we'll talk about in just a second, cutting back. But the average I'm talking about is you want, if today's February 16th that we're recording this 2016, yeah. you would look back at January 2016, December 2015, and November 2015. Mm. And get your, so like your average mortgage spend, your average Uber spending, your average grocery spending across those three months. Yeah. So if my groceries were like $1,000 in November and 800 in December and 2000 in January, then you would have an average of 30 or a total of 3,800 across those three months divided by three would be somewhere around $1,266 or something like that. So that way you have multiple months of spending that give you a better idea of what you're likely to spend yep. than just that one point in time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. It doesn't to me, but okay. I hope somebody else gets Good, it. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I realized I had checked out a long time ago. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about having sex with I Sting. Saw, <laughs> I saw the eyes glaze over there for a minute. I, I saw the point at which uh, Chase started thinking about having sex with Sting. No, you know what I was, anyway. I was thinking about? I was thinking about the uh, the the uh, a, a thing that we could make. I think that could be really helpful on this. Yeah, is an uh, a three month email series 
that just reminds you of of when to do it mm-hmm. and a handful of links along the way of helpful like just like little motivations to like hey remember keeping your costs and expenses down matters because that's what's hard for me mm-hmm. is it just you don't you, you don't remember Right. You don't remember. So if you go to the show notes for this page, you might see a way to sign up for that. Or you might just see a link to Dave Ramsey. Slash 150. Or you (laughs) might just see the instructional DVD on tantric sex with Sting. Okay, so let's talk about how we go from your three-month historical averages to the cutback minimum viable income number. What are some ways we can cut, Steph? Yeah. So so I, I think where I'll go with this is... I don't know if this is an exact answer to the question, but I think it's important to point this out. So one of the steps in in the article is getting creative in ways that might be a little bit scary. So there are easier ways to cut expenses, obviously. Like, for example, don't go out to eat. You know what? I think the average in America is something ridiculous. It's like, you know, most people go out to eat at least once a day or something like that. You can obviously cut back on those types of things, but it gets trickier if you need to look at the things in your life that you might perceive as cast in stone. But the truth is, if you, you know, it really depends on your, your unique situation and the, your ability to challenge yourself by asking how creative can I really get? So some example, examples of that might be your cable TV package. Do you need cable TV for the next six months? Mm. If you're in Keisha's position where she's really got to make this work, you know, you might say, I don't need Netflix and I don't need Spotify, for example. Those are fixed costs that are, are, are recurring month over month that a lot of us have. Mm. You can take this as far as you want. You might even challenge your living situation, which scares a lot of people. They think to themselves, oh my gosh, there's no way I have a mortgage. Like that's that's cast in stone. But the truth is we've known people who have chosen to move to a cheaper part of town who have, I've known people who've moved in with their parents. That might not be ideal, but- I think you have to ask yourself, like, what's it going to take? And is it worthwhile to you to get that number to a point where you really feel like it's manageable for your unique situation? So mm. when the, if the question is, how do you cut costs? I think the answer is, you know, how far are you willing to take it? But this might sound a little bit scary. But for me, when I was starting to think about all of this stuff, I actually felt some relief when I when these things that I perceived as, you know, just like the realities of my life were actually things that I could change if I really wanted to, you know? Mm. So I think that there's some relief in knowing that you are actually in charge of your own destiny and you can figure out how to do this if it makes sense for you. So that's one thing that I would say. Yeah. It makes me think of, um, uh, I don't know, like here's, here's some things you, here's some things that'll help you not, not, uh, spend a bunch of money. Guess what? You're not going to have anybody design your logo. Guess what? You're not going to have anybody create your website for you. Guess what? You're not going to create a, business card all right can we agree on that you don't need a business card all right do i have to say that again jason just said business cards you don't need a business card sure okay okay you get to say whatever you want because you're the one pushing the little button over there i'm speaking and pushing the little tick button i'm pushing the little buttons i literally say things without the button right now i'm just beeping these things but the point being like you think you need to do a lot of stuff to be quote unquote serious at business. No, you're missing the point. The only thing that is serious about business is stuff being produced out in the world that's growing your audience or selling your product. Okay. It's not a business card that you pass around. No hustle harder than everybody out there. Meaning every interaction that you have is like, you think they're, they're going to, you're going to look better if you give a business card with your face on it or something like that. Like everybody else does. No, you're going to look better if the next day and the day after that you follow up with actually per, like personal and pertinent information mm. or something like that. So from a concrete standpoint, like thinking about cutting back. So I definitely agree about like the superfluous expenses related to yeah. business, quote unquote, you know, that's forward-looking stuff that's going to make this... Oh, and also, than- hold on. But beyond beyond that, it's like, hold that thought. 
Sorry, just trampled on you. Because I, I, I'm real, I realize like, how much this pisses me off when people like, think they need to do a bunch of stuff. And, they, they, and God bless them. They don't know that they don't need to. Mm-hmm. Right? The only reason why I know that you don't need to is because I've built this many businesses. I've, I've helped design this many websites. I've watched this happen for so many people. The things that matter are the hard things. And it's not the, it's not the logo. It's not the website. It's not the this, that, and the other. Those do not stand in your way. Right? So how do I get you to understand that? Like you have a relation, you build an audience and you do that through creating content or you do that through selling a product or you do that through solving a damn problem that nobody else is solving right now or that you're doing it better or more more focused or more centered than anyone else is. Okay, so you've got the things that you think you need to spend money on, but then you also got how long is it going to take you to build this business? Do you know what I mean? How long? Because if you can speed that up, you're going to save a lot of money in the end, right? So if you go do the damn fizzle roadmap, which yes, this is a promotion for the fizzle roadmap because it's going to save you time because it's action focused and it says, Hey, what are you going to call your website? Hey, what's your main, what, before you even talk about what you're going to call your website, it's like, what's the problem that you're solving? How are you going to solve it? What's your primary marketing channel? All of those questions, we help you answer them. And then you didn't even know you weren't going to ask those questions for like nine months before. You know what I mean? We just saved you nine months. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's all happening in the free trial. Are you kidding me? Two weeks for free. Where do I get that? Barrett, where do I get that? You can get that uh, pretty much by going anywhere on the Fizzle site, but the best place to go is just fizzle.co. Slash try five, because as a podcast listener, you're right. Podcast listener, we give you five weeks free. That's that's literally enough time to to go through a a substantial part of the roadmap if you go quickly, Yep. right? Um, Phase one, let's say, for example, if you went through phase one, you've got topic. What is the what is the area of your of your business going to be? You've got audience. Who are the people that are going to buy your thing? Which is like, where are they online? How do you find them? How can you create stuff that's going to get to them? What's the problem they actually struggle with, etc. And you've got a handful of other things that all ends. Stage one ends with your one page website using WordPress or Squarespace. Like it's it's a done deal. So you can do that in five weeks, I think. Uh, fizzle.co slash try five. Don't waste time making your damn business and don't spend a bunch of money on bull crap. All right. That's not what makes a business. Sorry. That's, that's my, that's my, you, t- you, you, you got him. You, listen, yep. I just want to say my friend here is angry. He's fired up. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because he sees a lot of pain out mm-hmm. the world. He sees a lot of people like Keisha being hard on themselves. Yep. They don't need to. You can mm-hmm. be gentle and you can create good work that does good in the world. Amen. Thanks, Terry. That was nice of you. So, um, to get back to this, how do we cut thing? Yeah, uh, that was a beautiful rant. By the way, I just want to commend you on. You don't need to commend me. Wonderful grant, uh, grant. Sorry, I'm just in the middle of a very long tantric sex cycle, and I, I'm I'm backed up. We're just not going to get rid of that one this episode. Guys. <laughs> so on You're the like cutting, committed. the great thing about using a tool like Mint or something similar is that you can go back and look concretely at what each of these categories yep. is made up of. Mm-hmm. So if you think of like, maybe you end up with 25 categories of spending yep. and it's mortgage and groceries and school clothes and whatever else goes down the list. Yep. Now you can go back and say, okay, what did I do in each of those months that added up to that number? And which of these things am I willing and able to sacrifice? Yeah. And some of them you shouldn't. You know, if you go, if you have a, a season ski pass every year and that's what you do every weekend because that's how you get outside and you restore yourself or yeah. whatever, don't sacrifice on that. Keep mm-hmm. that in there. But that means you need to cut somewhere else because you don't get to keep everything to get to this minimum viable income number. But what you do need to do is you need to go through each category and say, how could I cut here if I had to? Yeah. 
And then the secondary decision is, do I want to do that? Am I willing to do that right now mm. so that I understand what my minimum viable income number is? Yeah. And once you've reached that point, now you're probably going to have at least half of those areas where you know you can cut back. Yeah. Like groceries is a great one. Let's say right now you're spending an average of $250 a week on groceries or something crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an area where you could probably, if you tried pretty hard, set a budget of $150 a week and shoot for that every time you go to the grocery store. Yeah. And what that means is you only buy produce and meat or something like that. No, as you, opposed to all no, what, the it, what it means is you don't buy any or produce whatever. and meat. Yeah, you exactly. buy only um, packaged stuff. That's what sucks, man. You can't be poor in this country and eat healthy. Or you go to the farmer's market. I don't understand why the corporations are eating our lunch. They're, they're eating our lunch. And I had, I had over 1 million people back my campaign and the, the average donation was four dollars and 35 cents hashtag feel the burn i just want to say thank you to sting for for helping out get the message out uh and, and, and hit back at you buddy stings tantric dvd saved my life and my marriage thank it's you it's amazing you just worked it into a bernie sanders rant Amazing. So anyways, you should end up with a list of ideas about how you could cut expenses under each category and then decisions about which of those you are willing to do between now and the next six months from now or whatever your timeline yeah. is to get to this number. Dude, it, this is what's so hard though. Okay, listen, there's all these tactics, all these things. Mm -hmm. I've done this, how, how many times have I, I've done this a lot in my life and it always fails. It always fails unless I can stay connected to the reason why. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. And that like, what, how do you do that? For me, uh, what I, what I realize is this is the, the same is true with my to-do list. We work together. We define all these projects we want to do every single quarter. And if I don't stay close to my reason why the thing that we want at the end of this quarter, then, and the feeling from moving those projects from one area of the Trello board to the next, the accomplishment actually, that doesn't even, that's not even special enough. I have to somehow stay motivated, mm -hmm. stay connected, not, not motivated, connected to my reason why. My reason why is I, when I have this thing up to a certain amount of money, I have an infinite, uh, whatever, road, road, uh, landing strip, whatever yeah. thing you're talking about, runway, right? And with 30 days of yoga, Adrian's always getting us to go. Uh, this is my YouTube channel that I, that I watch all the time. She's always getting us to like in the beginning of the yoga. She's like, remember, like, why are you doing this? What's your point? Like, what's your, what's your, why are you doing yoga? And I'm like, I want to be able to, to bend down and pick up Aiden's kids. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I want to be able to be flexible, uh, strong for Aiden and flexible for his kids. Like, I'm like, okay, that's like, if I, and I forget it every single time and yep. it feels good to remember it every single time. But there's been so few like Tony Robbins moments like that in my life where like I can have a thing that I write down and it actually yeah. makes me like remember it. But that's what's hard about this. Yeah. Somehow getting concrete in that vision, in that, in, whether it's writing it down, whether it's painting a damn picture, whether it's getting, a, a, you know, setting a calendar event every Monday morning to like spend 15 minutes dreaming about what you're going to do when you get your Ferrari or whatever. I don't know. Hopefully you're not that person. Please don't be that person. If you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're not that person. You know what I mean? Unless, I don't know, just don't be that person. Um, <laughs> the other thing I'll add on to that is, um, you know, there's a lot of people who would say that setting stakes for this stuff really increases your motivation to make it yeah. happen. And there are a lot of different ways to do that. But one way to be, would be to like schedule a hundred dollar donation at the end of the month. That's going to go to whatever the NRA or, or, or some uh, organization or you EPA, hate or the EPA. There mm -hmm. we go. We got both sides of the aisle there. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. and, uh, and that's going to automatically go out it, and it, you have to let it go 
unless you meet your budget and then you can cancel it. Mm. And so there's is this idea of you do the things you commit to if there's stakes at the end of it. Yeah. And the flip side of that too is setting rewards and celebrating. Mm-hmm. So if you do accomplish your thing, you spend that same $100 on a, a night out with your significant other or whatever. Man, I, so, that, that, actually, honestly, if you could do that, just from someone who's kind of, I don't know, kind of gone through it, if you can do that, that would be a really nice balanced way of doing it. It keeps you, because you're like, you're thinking about it. I think month to month is kind of hard because 30 days is a long time. Like yep. You end up in like week four and you're like, oh shit, I gotta, gotta mm-hmm. work, you know? But like, um, but it's find some rhythm that 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 feels a little bit like life without being totally boot camp, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, There's some totally. balance to that 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 makes it really hard. But it, but again, that's what makes this hard is if you if you're a single mom with two kids, six months to go. It's like, listen, you just stacked so many odds against you in that situation. If you can go single mom, two kids, twelve months, it's like cool. Let's do this hundred dollar thing even though you don't even have that $100 to spend. Yep. Screw it. Like this is a part of the dream and you get to spend that on yourself or it's or it's going away. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and not that that's a, a end all and be all, but this idea of motivation, finding out how to stay connected to your why in this, like to what the purpose of this whole thing is and, and, and be able to say it. Like that means like, you know, coffee and some journaling, trying to figure out what it is that you're trying, like why? Why you're trying yeah. to do that? Reading, totally. listening to the the episode that we did with Val, who who like was like, I had my own business, then I got offered my dream job, and mm-hmm. I took it because I realized what I want is more than just running my own business. Right. Some of that I was getting in the business, and I was going to get more of it there, but like I got a lot of it in this other job. And so you get underneath the level of I work for myself, and you find all of these other motivations there. Like as soon as you, and, and once you start filling up those piggy banks, it's like this feels good. Sorry. Yeah. The one other thing I'll say about this to keep motivated and stay focused is right when you get done showing how much you're going to cut back on things you feel like you love or things you feel like are a key part of your lifestyle, Mm. go make a list of all the things you can do to enjoy your life without spending money Mm -hmm. because you've got to have outlets that are going to give you some respite from this grind of trying to make a business work and cutting back on your expenses and what feels like nothing but forced discipline in almost every uh, area mm. of your life during this period, you've got. That's to have interesting. Outlets. Yeah. What if on your budgeting spreadsheet you also had like how much time did I waste on myself? Mm. Because yeah. like for me, like just going on long walks, like I used to do long runs. I would run for like three hours, and it's just like that's wasted time. You're not being productive, right? Right. It's yeah. still such a challenge for me so to think through. You that. guys, I, I just want to yeah. do like a. I'm doing the timeout symbol with my hands here. You can't really see it, but <laughs> I think we're starting to miss the forest for the trees because. The whole point of this is to figure out how much money you need to earn from your business and mm. getting trapped in this this budgeting thing um, involves psychology that thousands and thousands of people spend every waking hour thinking about, uh, including mm. a lot of smart people. We're not going to crack that nut. I think realistically, if you have six months or nine months or whatever, do your best. Try to cut a couple of big expenses, maybe take a roommate in or something. Um, or move mm. to another country like I did, whatever. But um, just take on a couple of the big things and then get back to focusing on your business. Yeah, yeah, which is funny. You, you're talking about cracking that nut and that's one of the moves that... Uh, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good word, Corbett, good word. Steps in. Last word. He's all bing, 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 bing. Steph, anything, anything else to add here? No, I think Corbett makes a really good point. And the last thing I'll, I'll wrap up by saying it's, it's how the article ends too is 
when you get to that point where you have cut a couple costs, you more than anything have a handle on what you need. It's time to start kind of running some numbers to figure out, okay, how am I going to make this happen? So to take it all the way back to Keisha's original question, she threw out a bunch of different ideas that could be possible products or services. It's really time to start looking at the different business archetypes that we've talked about before, as well as taking a hard look at our free one-page business plan worksheet that you can grab that and you can play around with it to start to look at how am I going to actually actually get myself to that number. Mm. And we already referenced the conversation that we had that was um, how what to do when you need to get to minimum viable income fast, which was episode 139. And I think the one right before that, which is actually episode 137, not 138. I don't think we have 138. Fun fact. Back, oh. to, <laughs> back to Mother Effing Square One, rebuilding a freelance business from scratch. In both of those episodes, I think we do start crunching some numbers and talking about how can you back into that number. So if you're curious about that part of things, I would go listen to those episodes because I, I personally have learned a lot from working, especially with Barrett and with Corbett, just looking at the different ways that you can run these numbers and make it so much more real by asking yourself, if I'm going to be a coach, how many coaching sessions do I have to do? If I'm going to be a coach and have an ebook, how is that going to look? So you can start to really play with real prices and make this thing a whole lot more real as you figure out how you're going to get to that minimum viable income. Mm, I yep. like that. That's good. Um, okay. I think, uh, I, I have nothing else to add. What you can do is go to fizzleshow.co slash 150. This is our 150th episode, you guys. And it's a special one because this is one of the more important, technical, tangible sort of, uh, questions that you have to deal with in your business stuff. And it's exciting when you know how to nail it. Well, Steph has wrote a big article about this and we're actually going to embed this podcast right on that page with the show notes are going to be in that Articles. So that is fizzleshow.co slash 150. And you'll go there. You'll see the article. You'll see the, the links that we mentioned here. And, uh, and you might see a three month sort of le- like email series that's just going to help you with like stay motivated through this, give you some tools, give you some ideas throughout, remind you that it's time to do your budget stuff. Um, we'll see. Hopefully you see that. We'll see. I hope I, I hope I get around to that. I think that'd be fun. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks. I've been Steph Crowder. And we will see you there. Or we'll see you another time. So there you have it. All right. Thanks, Keisha, for being brave enough to share. We really, really loved hearing from you. Listen, the show notes are important on this one. Listen up. Fizzleshow.co slash 150, 150. You're going to find a large article supporting this podcast. You're going to find some runway planning tools, uh, a handful of links and things that we found, all of the links mentioned in this episode, and the runway planning three-month email thing that I'm hopefully going to make between now and Friday when this podcast episode goes live. So hopefully what this the goal of this thing is going to be to connect you to your reason why throughout the next three months because doing this budget crap sucks if you forget why you're doing it. And so we've created a little uh, email thing. <laughs> I'm speaking. I hope I create this little email thing. Go to fizzleshow.co slash 150. You can start that today, hopefully, again. Don't be mad at me if it's not up yet. Here's an iTunes review from the screen name is non-frequent user in the US of A. There are so many other podcasts out there, which I listen to from time to time. But the one that I listen to the most is The Fizzle Show because it's honest. It's insightful. 
It's relevant to today, and it's a whole lot of fun to listen to. Plus, I get actionable advice that I can't get anywhere else with this degree of delivery and articulation. I can't recommend it enough. And I can't recommend enough to you, dear non-frequent user, that you become more of a frequent user. I really like your iTunes reviews. Please, please leave us more if you can. Thank you so much for the kind words. You know, our goal here at The Fizzle Show is to help you make progress on your business every single week. When you leave us an iTunes review, it helps us do that. It helps other entrepreneurs find this show. So I would love it so much. If you haven't yet, go to the iTunes store, search for Fizzle, and click write a review and leave your honest thoughts there. I heard an old Buddhist saying once, it goes like this, I inherit and accept the actions of my past. May you find that acceptance as it relates to money, and may you be lucky and honest on the road to minimum viable income. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.